Let the people of God rise. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And with these beginning and closing words of the Declaration of our Independence, let us worship the God of our creation, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the God of our fathers. July 4th, 1976. We shall worship God.
God of the nation, King of kings, Lord of lords, Thou God who hast made us the nation we are, as we gather together in this celebration, be Thou here. Touch eyes and ears and minds and lips that the praise we have may be to Thee in the celebration of our birthday. Be Thou then our guide and hear our words and read our thoughts to Thy glory. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the King and Head of the Church, who has taught us to say when we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands, one brotherhood uniting all mankind in service and in love. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him. Then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will place the sheep at his right hand, but the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, O blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see thee hungry and feed thee, or thirsty and give thee drink? And when did we see thee a stranger and welcome thee, or naked and clothe thee? And when did we see thee sick 
or in prison and visit thee? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the, my brother, you did it to me. We thank thee, Father, for the conviction thou hast given us that 200 years of this life of this nation is not our own, but thine. We thank thee, Father, that it was possible for that ragtaggle army of 200 years ago to put the period upon the Declaration of Independence when so many were in opposition to it. We thank thee, Father, that through the years thou hast showed us again and again how gracious thou hast been, that thou hast truly ordained the powers that be. So help us now in the celebration to be looking not only backward, but forward, and, O oh God in heaven, keep us ever looking upward so that as we walk forward, we may have our hands in the hands of God. We bow before thee this morning, thanking thee for every experience we've had with thee, the hard times, the successful times. We thank thee for the experiences, Father, of discouragement, we thank thee even for the lessons that are taught of failure. We but pray that thou wilt help us to use the lessons to thy glory, and that in this nation of ours there may continue to be, and more and more, the manifestation of the gospel of peace and the message of thy grace. For thou hast been gracious unto us, and thou hast held the king's heart in thy hand, as day by day we have walked in the light. Now, God, use us 
that we may continue to walk, leading the nations of the world in the way of peace and in the way of righteousness and of truth, in the way of health and strength and life. Hear our prayer, Father, as we gather together here in this place this day. Make the experiences of the day to be written indelibly on our minds and hearts, not only because of the celebration, but because of thine own place in the celebration of our nation. Hear our prayer for our loved ones, our friends, our homes, our families. Make them more and more to be what thou wouldst have them to be within this land of ours. This we pray, Father, in the name of Christ. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, we bid you welcome to this celebration, this glorious hour, in the worship of our God and the celebration of our land. We seek your cooperation in this moment of fellowship. Join with us then in this ritual, filling in your cards found there in your pew rack and placing them in the offering basket as it comes past you. We are seeking that you might be joining with us in another bit of ritual after the service this morning. If after the service you were to move across the driveway to the green there by the, the administration building, you'll find copies of the Declaration of Independence. I'm quite sure you'll not be able to read it because it's very fine print. But we are joining across the land in re-signing the Declaration of Independence. There are 56 names on this declaration, as you know. But we are hoping, as we go join with others across the land, that there may be many, many more thousands of names placed at the foot of this declaration. Chief Petty Officer Brannon Rutherford will be directing you over to the Greensward where you'll find tables where you may find these. We're asking you that you fill the, the hole of the corner in and leave it that we may be sending it to the authorities after the service. Please keep this in mind after the service this morning. I direct your attention as well to one announcement on our calendar. 
They're especially anxious that women may be remembering that we are having a women's voices choir next Lord's Day, and they're asking for women, college age or over, to join in the rehearsal on Thursday evening at 8 o'clock. Now let us worship God with our morning offering.
our God and our Father, as this land does truly stretch from ocean unto ocean, and as we have truly received of its many bountiful blessings in the years past, through your grace, Father, and understanding, may we also now freely give, give that those following might receive what you have bestowed upon us. Accept these our humble gifts, Father, for your love and for your grace. For it is in your name we pray.
gratitude to all of those who have worked so hard to make this a great day in the life, not only of our nation, but in our worship of God under whose we all are. I want to thank especially those members, colleagues of the staff who have worked so hard for our regular chancel choir and Presby Kid and Youth or Westminster choirs that have been augmented by other people from the congregation, for our color guard, for Churchill Cook Jr., who home from Santa Fe and stepped in to help lead in the singing of our youth choir, and for all others. From my estimation, there are more than 700 people crowded into this sanctuary this morning. For those who don't have even seats upon which to sit, we thank you all for realizing that this is not only a holiday, but it's a holy day, a day when we realize how blessed we are to be alive and to be a part of a great and a free land. Join with me now as we read from the ancient book of Isaiah where the prophet speaks to his people of his land. The 40th chapter of that prophecy, beginning to read at the 21st verse. Have you not known, have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows upon them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created thee. He who brings you out, their host by number, call them by all by name. By the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait, for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. The big, bald, beautiful eagle is a great symbol for this United States of America. Its choice was magnificent because of its ability to freely fly at will, because of its strength, because it is not unfettered, because it is one who is beautiful, 
our forefathers saw in that symbol, in that giant bird, all that they envisioned in this nation which they knew would be great and powerful and strong. Hence on June 20th, 1782, exactly six years after the signing of the Declaration of Independence, our Congress then made the bald eagle of America the living symbol of the great nation of the United States of America. 200 years later today, that eagle is fighting for its life. That living symbol is on the edge of becoming a dead emblem or symbol. According to Roger Latham, the outdoors editor and neighbor here in our community, but who writes for the Pittsburgh Press, he tells us that since the close of the Second World War, this giant bird has been diminishing in numbers drastically from the presence of our continent, especially in the contiguous 48 states. He points out that there are different factors as to why this bird, which is the emblem of our land, is slowly deteriorating into extinction. The first thing he says is the way people flout the American law. The flouting of our law is causing about the death of the eagle. I can remember that I was just in grade school when in 1940 our Congress passed, it, passed the Ball Eagle Protection Act which said that anybody, anybody had no right whatsoever to kill one of these giant beautiful bald eagles. Now I think everybody knew that law. I thought at the time as a youngster when teachers and parents explained it that everyone would cooperate with it but people don't. They continuously flout that particular law of our land and even as late as 1971 we had what was called the Jackson Wyoming Massacre and that period of our history, an aircraft pilot, together with his friends, hovering over in a helicopter, that, that great massive divide there in the state of Wyoming, with 12-gauge shotguns, killed 770 eagles. Remember when that news hit our homes? People were so upset at that massacre that they were able to provoke legislation when in 1972, a law was passed where anyone found guilty of hurting, maiming, or killing an American bald eagle would have to pay a penalty of $5,000 and or one year imprisonment. Yet, you know, there are still people today flouting that law whose minds, I'm sure, must be sick and who are going throughout the land just hoping for the opportunity kill one of these rare birds, the symbol and emblem of the United States of America. The killing is not the only thing that is destroying the eagle. Poisons do it too. Poisons which come in the form of insecticides and pesticides. They tell me that just even a slight little mist of DT, 
DTT being spread over the hard shell of an eagle can penetrate that hard surface and kill the little sperm inside. Not only that, but pollution is doing its share of destroying our land of this great bird, which is the emblem and symbol of our country. Yes, they have examined dead eagles down at the Wildlife Conservatory in Maryland, and when they cut open the carcass, they see large residue of mercury. Mercury, which has come when the eagles have consumed fish, which is their main source of supply for energy. Fish, which have been contaminated in our streams, and it's pollution that is helping to kill this bird. But another great factor is that we are robbing this free-flying bird of his natural habitat and destroying the sanctity of his home. For those of you who have studied this part of biology, you know that this bird loves to, to nestle in, in high places atop large trees or in, or in cliffs. But lumbermen now, for the money, are cutting down those big trees. The nests are always close to water, the lake, the sea, the ocean. But especially down in Florida, where land developers are, are buying up all of the land, the eagles are being chased from the sanctity and the privacy of their homes. Because we're such a nosy group of people, because parents want their little children to see this vanishing breeze, we encroach upon the privacy of these birds and people flock from all about, innocently, yes, but nevertheless causing the eagle to fly away. Some don't return to their nests for more than a year. And it is estimated that the 2,500 American bald eagles left in America are only producing about 500 young per year. And that's not nearly enough to take care of the death rate. So you see, this particular emblem perhaps will be disappearing in its living form from our midst in the not-too-far future. And there's another factor, I think, that is involved that we don't talk too much about. But I think one of the reasons why this bird is disappearing is because many Americans just don't care. Yes, I think the last bird could die today. And many people, well, they might shed a tear and be a little sorrowful, but they really wouldn't care at all. And these factors combined together are making a bird that was made to fly die. And we're not only going to lose a great friend, but the emblem and symbol of our nation. Now, what is true for the symbol is true also, I'm afraid, for that which it represents. Yes, America today stands in jeopardy, ladies and gentlemen. You know it, and so do I. But today we stand on a position where nobody's quite sure what's going to happen tomorrow. None of us wants, and I hope will not permit, the nation to die as is the American eagle. But you know, when you think about it, it seems to be the same factors that are killing us that kill or are killing the American eagle. The flaunting of law, 
That's one of our problems. Our forefathers, when they signed that Declaration of Independence 200 years ago this period of time, they knew the value that you can't have liberty without law. And remember, after they signed that Declaration and won a war to ensure it, the first thing they did was to sit down and write a Constitution of the United States of America that was closely followed by a Bill of Rights. Fifty-six people signed it. Twenty-four of them were lawyers, people who knew the value of law. Without law that is just, you have nothing but chaos or tyranny. But with law, where all people abide by the law, you can have a new nation founded upon freedom, based in equality of all mankind, ensuring the rights of peace, joy, life, and the pursuit of happiness. But without it, we have chaos. And today in our land, what do we see happening? People who do not like the laws, instead of changing them, they disregard it and call it a fancy name which tries to get its approval. We have people today who think that doing your own thing, no matter whose rights it bothers, is the thing to do to express freedom. That's not freedom, that's license and a disregard for other people's property. We have people today who think that it's not wrong to do wrong. The only thing wrong is just don't get caught. And we think that the stupid person is not the person who violates the law, but the one who violates the law and is stupid enough to get caught. We're killing ourselves, ladies and gentlemen. We're killing ourselves when we keep changing these laws to suit the needs or the particular feelings of the people. Freedom is based upon not doing what you want to do, but having the privilege and the honor to do what ought to be done. And until we capture and recapture that spirit of those people who gave not only their lives, but their fortunes and their honor to protect the rights and the freedom of all mankind forever born, we're going to be killing ourselves. We're going to be killing this land that we love. Poisons. We have them in our country, too. Poisons that are eating away at our bodies. Tobacco that ruins our lungs. Alcohol that is ruining our livers and our hearts. Drugs that are blowing our minds. And people know that they're harmful, that they are destroying, that they are being killed. But do they stop? No. And we're destroying these bodies which the Bible calls temples of the Holy Spirit. Those aren't our only poisons. Poisons to the spirit and to the mind. Negativism. Cynicism. Racism. All these other things that bring about the inequalities, of inequalities to people. Snobbishness. And the ability to think that other people do not belong to the kingdom of God. All of these poisons are eating us away. We're participating in them and we are killing the very thing that today we stand and sing is being so, as being so sacred to our life and our honor. Pollution. 
I know many people are excited about the dust that gets into the air and, and the debris that gets into the stream, and I, I guess those are problems of pollutions, but they're not pollution. They're not the ones that bother me, though. Those particular ideas that pollute the mind of the American society, those are the ones that are killing us. Polluted ideas such as not working, believing that the government owes you a living. Not putting a full day's work in for a full day's pay. That polluted idea that thinks, makes a person think that he can do whatever he wants. I know I'm sick and tired of one American who has to clean half empty beer cans off of his front lawn every Sunday morning by people who are careless and disregard the privacy of a man's own home. We're polluting ourselves to death, not with the big things, but with the little things like the bureaucracy and the red tape that we have involved, not only in our government, but within our church as well. I read the other day where one of the things that we are pollute, one of the things we're polluting the world with more than anything else are words. Words which seem to be so cheap and which are not followed by action. But I, I read this discourse that our Lord, when He spoke to the Lord's Prayer, required 56 words. Lincoln, when he wrote his Gettysburg Address, took 266 words. Ten Commandments required 297 words. The Declaration of Independence, 1,337 words. Yet, not too long ago, a recent United States government order setting the price of cabbage had in it 29,911 words. That's pollution, ladies and gentlemen. Pollution that is choking us as a nation and keeping us from being quick and active and free and alive. And one other factor. The home life in America is being destroyed just as we are taking away the nests and frightening those people, or frightening those birds so we do today with our own American families. It's deplorable the number of things that a young person and an adult has to com compete with in order to do justice to his home, to his church and community. I understand that there are even homes where the people do not gather together for more than three or four meals a week. Everybody eats in shifts. That's horrible. It's frightening when you see so many good, worthy causes competing for the minds, the bodies, and the time of so many of us. They're good causes, but our family life is being destroyed in the midst. I see fathers and mothers, some of you who act more like chauffeurs and, and directors of recreation than you do the parents that God has called you to be. Three out of every five marriages are failing today. Extramarital, premarital sex seems to be the order. And we're a people who are losing the very foundation upon which this nation was built, the sanctity and the privacy of a loving home. These are all factors, ladies and gentlemen, as in the case of the birds, so also in the case of the nation. 
You know, there are a lot of people today that just don't care. You people are here because you care, and I thank God for you. But for every one of us that is here, there are a hundred out there who see no relationship at all between God and this nation. Ladies and gentlemen, that's too bad. Because you know those people who signed that Declaration of Independence, those were people who cared. We have a Fourth of July because people cared and dared to put their lives, their honor, and their fortune upon the firing line of independence. Those people were like Abraham of old. They went out not knowing where they were going, but they believed in a better country, in a new land. And they believed that God somehow was working through them, finding that particular new land. Oh, they never found the promise. They died in faith, having not received the promise. But they could see from afar off because they believed. They believed that God somehow, someway, was leading them to be people of history. And now we know, 200 years later, that they were correct. That their faith was not wrong. No, you see, I do not think it was an accident or just a coincidence of history that the individual by the name of Charles Thompson was elected or made the first secretary of the Continental Congress, a man who was an elder in the First Presbyterian Church of Philadelphia and who after his retirement spent his time in translating from the Septuagint the Bible into English, making the first translation here on the new founded land. I don't think it was an accident or a coincidence that a man by the name of Reverend Francis Blair was able to start an academy down there in Chester County, an academy that graduated from one class, mind you, one class, three signers of the Declaration of Independence, the first secretary of the Continental Congress, and a member of the Constitutional Committee, and the first provost of, of the University of Pennsylvania. I don't think it was an accident that George Whitfield came 40 years before the Declaration of Independence was signed to bring here the power of God through the Great Awakening that was going through Europe. I don't think it was an accident that, that Mr. William Tennant began his log college down there on the Neshaminy River. I had the privilege to stand in that pulpit once and preach. That man who started that school, whose graduates in the 20-year period from 1726 to 1746, before the end of the century, were able to found more than 100 colleges and universities. I don't think that that was an accident. And the fact that that log college became the College of New Jersey, today Princeton University, and the John Witherspoon, John Witherspoon was its president. And that John Witherspoon taught in the classroom many a young man, one of them by the name of Jimmy, Jimmy Madison, who sat down eventually after in being influenced by Witherspoon to compose the Constitution of the United States of America. I don't think it's an accident that a Baptist minister, Sam Smith, wrote that great patriotic hymn, My Country Tis of or that Francis Bellamy wrote the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I don't think it was an accident that 50 years to the very day of the signing of the Declaration of Independence, God would call home in death the two who were drafted by the Continental Congress to write that great masterpiece of literature. 
It was on July 4, 1826, on the 50th anniversary to the very day, in his 91st year, that John Adams awoke. He still had enough presence of mind to know that that was the 4th of July, and he said, this is a great day. This is a good day. And then shortly before 1 o'clock that afternoon, he said in his last words, Jefferson still lives. And then he died, not knowing that at Monticello at that very same moment, Thomas Jefferson died. That's history, ladies and gentlemen, and I don't think it was any accident. But you see, those people believe just as God had sent forth his son Jesus Christ in the fullness of time, God had sent them to found a new nation, to find a nation that was full of freedom and independence and liberty for all. They believed that they were people of history with a destiny God created to be fulfilled. Ladies and gentlemen, today is not only a holiday and a holy day, it's a happy day and it's a historic day. We, too, are a part of that great tradition. We're not here by accident. God has called us to be the Jeffersons and the Washingtons and the Adamses of today. And we are the people who are to ensure the future of the eagle of our land and the land of the eagle. We are the people who must take up the torch and carry it. We are God's people today who are to keep the bird from dying and keep it flying. One hundred years from today, there are going to be people sitting in church pews just like this one. Pray God, I hope that this church will still be open and people will be here. You and I will not be here. Our grandchildren and great-grandchildren, they shall be here. On that day, they'll be talking about the 300 years of the United States of America. They'll be talking about Washington. They'll be talking about Lincoln. They'll be talking about Adams. They'll be talking about Witherspoon. And pray God, they'll be talking about you and about me. They'll be holding our names before their children. They'll be talking of us either in terms of glory or in terms of disdain. Whether or not they see the eyes of the glory of the coming of the Lord and are able to sing God Bless America will depend on what you and I do today and whether or not we allow that eagle not to die but make sure that she flies. It's a great day in the kingdom and a great hundred years yet to come. Amen. Hallelujah.
You've heard our glory hallelujahs, Father. You've heard the bell of our church and the bell ringing in our hearts. And now as we go back out into the world, help us to realize we are people of history with a destiny. That we are the people you have created today to keep the eagle alive forever and ever. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us and for our country, now and forevermore. Amen.